Welcome to Leading to Sales, everybody. Welcome to our Monday edition. Believe it or not, it is another Monday in 2021. I, my name is Brett, and I am your host, like I am every time. And today, we have a very special guest, and we're going to be talking through something that I didn't realize was near and dear to my heart until I got his book. Um, and I realized that he was using a different term to describe something that I really already loved. Um, and so today we've got Todd Capone coming on as a special guest. Uh, he is the author of The Transparency Sale, which quite frankly, you need to pick up and get the hardcover just because of the cool cover that's on the book, if nothing else. Um, it kind of tripped me out when it showed up. But Todd, he kind of just fell into sales and then he fell in love with the decision science around it. And you all know I'm a science nerd. I'm a, a psychology nerd, so the thought process behind Todd's book is absolutely amazing. I mean, he's helped, he's he's come on to multiple organizations, he's driven organizations to successful IBO, I, IBOs, good Lord, IPOs that um, were followed by acquisitions worth billions of dollars, okay? This book, The Transparency Sale, is going to make the biggest difference. So before I go to our intro um, and then bring Todd up, I just want to say, I know we've got a lot of people that, are, that tune in on a regular basis that you're in the sales area and you will see the amazing value of this as Todd and I discuss it. And I got to make sure I'm not getting a glare on it. But the uh, the other piece is if you know someone who this who you feel like the transparency sale or who is in sales, make sure to shoot this show over to their way so that they can see some of the amazing value, because this, in my opinion, is going to be the sales of the future. So tune in. And right after this, I'm going to be right back with Todd. Welcome to the Leading to Sales podcast. Every week, we're bringing you leadership, sales and marketing strategies to help you move your business forward. Here's our host, internationally known sales and marketing leader, Brett Williams. Hey, Todd, welcome to the show, man. Oh, thanks for having me, brother. This is going to be fun. It really is. It really is. I'm, I am uh, I'm about halfway through your book already, and so I am um, on another level right now of, nice. of talking and thinking about the transparency sale. I'm, I'm loving it. Um, but before I just dive straight in, which is things, something that I've been accused of doing from time to time, uh, just really quickly introduce yourself, tell people a little bit about what you've got going on, and um, then we'll just dive into the book from there. Yeah, Brett. I mean, first of all, your intro was awesome. Like, I think you <laughs> pretty much covered it. There's nothing to add other than um, I, you know, when I wrote the book, I often joke about this. Um, I was inspired to the point where I've always just had a passion for the profession. It drives me crazy that if you look at Gallup's list every year of most to least trusted professions, dragging the bottom is salespeople and members of Congress, right? <laughs> I, I felt like this concept, it's not only like now we realize transparency sells better than perfection. We always have. But due to the proliferation of reviews and feedback and everything we do buy and experience, we now have to do it anyway. And I think it's an opportunity for us to better the profession. So I wrote it, thought there was a chance it would suck, but people have loved it. <laughs> Hopefully we're making the profession better along the way. You know, one of the things that I love and, and you can see, well, you guess you can't see in the camera. I've got multiple post-it notes throughout this book and I did that not for the show, quite frankly, because I don't do that for the show. I did it for me. Um, but one of the things that you open with in the intro um, is you talk about, you say, we have been taught to sell perfection, 
but perfection doesn't sell. I have that like highlighted underlined. I've got, I'm just one of those people that like, by the time I'm done with it, my, my books look like a three-year-old's had a highlighter coloring time with them. But I, I, I can tell you that even in my own experience, it's kind of a natural trap that I've even, I have to guard myself against because we want everyone to think the absolute highest of everything that we do. And we don't want to allow any illusion of fault. But in those times where I'm just like real and genuine and transparent, (laughs) um, that's when I see the difference. So tell me a little bit about how you kind of came to this conclusion. I get our, theory that has now proved out to be a conclusion. Yeah. I mean, I, I know this probably happens to you all the time, right? You read a research study and it changes your life. Like now that's oh, every just, day. Oh, yeah. every day. So I mean, that, that's <laughs> like, it's crazy, but that's the kind of nerd I am, but that's what happened. Um, I, I was chief revenue officer of this company called power reviews that helps retailers and brands collect and display ratings and reviews on their website. Right. So you're buying a pair of Crocs or a sweater from vineyard vines or whatever. The reviews right under the product, they were, you know, it was our engine that was helping with the collect and display. But what we ended up doing is we partnered with a local university you may have heard of. Of course, you've heard of a Northwestern uh, University here in Chicago to just look at, all right, when a website's acting as the salesperson, what do people do? And they found three data points, two of which, like I said, changed my life. The first one that didn't change my life was that we all look at reviews today. Before we're buying something we haven't bought before, 96% of us will read a review um, or read multiple reviews. And I I guess the surprising part of that is I haven't found the 4% that don't. Like (laughs) Exactly. If if you're one of the 4% that's like, no to reviews, I want to talk to you. But the, the two data points that changed my life were, and again, this is when a website is acting as a salesperson. Yeah. You know, between 82 and 85% of us go to the negative reviews first. So we skip the fives and go right to the fours, threes, twos, and ones. And the third data point was across all product categories, when a product has an average review score between a 4.2 and a 4.5, that's ideal for purchase conversion, meaning a 4.2 will sell better than a five. So I'm looking at this thinking, all right, there's something about us intrinsic, like we're driven to try to predict, right? Which is why yeah. we read the negatives first and we know that perfection isn't a real thing. Would this apply in the human to human or B2B world? And so I started digging into all the research and everything's pointed to, yeah, I mean, that's the way, like as a buyer, if all you're hearing is perfect 5.0 speak, your your limbic filter goes up, your guard goes up. And you think, all right, that can't be true. I've got to go do my own homework. And when a sales rep leads with unexpected honesty and builds that trust through transparency right from the get-go, it triggers my speed to which I can predict what my experience is going to be like. So I I started trying it and we tried it with a couple of deals and like the results were frigging magic. Like it was, we can talk through a couple of examples of how this looked, but um I, I just, I got to the point where it was like, hey, the whole world needs to hear this. Uh, I think there's something important here. And again, like I said, if it can make the profession better and make sales trusted and respected and maybe even admired like the profession was a hundred years ago, that would be cool too. So that's yeah. what really kicked this whole thing off. Well, and you know what I, I love is 
the this book for me at least and this is you know you're talking about somebody who like you i'm a bit of a data nerd and, and also a bit of a sales nerd um when i think when i was reading through this book i felt like somebody was finally putting words to like an instinct or like a gut feeling that i have had for a long time about the typical sales process because we all get i can't tell you how often i've had conversations with people that i'll ask questions about okay well why are you doing that in your sales process and regardless of what kind of flowery answer they they give me the real answer is well because we've always done it that way mm -hmm. And you have books that come out that are supposed to revolutionize, revolutionize the sales process or the sales profession. But this, I think, is is it's playing to who we are today. And you even go into some of the neuroscience. And that's why I was just totally geeking out through, through various <laughs> points. Um, I was like, I know this and I know another book where it's talking about the studies that prove this. <laughs> um, and you go through some examples, but the one that I loved the most was the one you were talking about in the very beginning of the book with your daughter mm -hmm. and how, uh, so t share a little bit about that. I mean, obviously it's the perfect lead in for the book, but it, it translates the real life human brain process into what we expect when we're dealing with the sales process in a professional world. Yeah, I mean that—that's one of the things that also triggered this need to. Uh, when when you think about, so you, you mentioned like there's books that talk about this and that. You know, I'm a, a sales history nerd too. Like that's my yeah. uh, like this book here for anybody who's watching. This is copyright 1916. Uh, it's called The Art and Science of Selling, and I, I wish you could smell it because like it smells like history. It's amazing. Oh yeah. But, you know, they talk. There's a whole chapter in this book that talks about honesty and you know. There's another book by a guy named Arthur Dunn in 1919. He's got a quote that I, I love and I say it all the time. And it's, if the truth won't sell it, don't sell it. Yes. Like, wow. Like that's awesome. Right. So, you know, there's that, that whole long history that we've always known that honesty and transparency sell better than perfection. But that story about my daughter was another trigger that made me think, all right, we were sitting on the couch. It was a Saturday morning. My, my daughter had her iPad. I was scrolling through uh, movies to watch on Netflix. And, and this is when Netflix, they've changed to a thumbs up, thumbs down system. But this was a yeah. couple of years ago when they had the star ratings on everything. Yep. And so my, my daughter wanted to watch a movie. Um, and so she's uh, like, I'm scrolling through movies. And then she also wanted to download a little princess app on her iPad. And so she couldn't read yet. We punched in princess uh, apps and she's or princess games. And so she's scrolling through those in like one mo like motion. She selected a princess game and then she looked up and she's like, Hey, click on that movie. All right, let's watch that one. And I was just like, oh, how did you pick those? two? <laughs> and in both cases, she was, she said the star ratings, the star ratings on the princess app. She's like, look at these other ones. This one's got one star. And this one's got five stars. Like I went, and there's a lot of them. And then that movies get like really good uh, star ratings. And I was like, I've either created a monster, uh, <laughs> or or our children are growing up with this expectation of transparency. I mean, there's a yeah. company you may have heard of that's done pretty well by sharing both the pros and the cons of their own products on their own website, and it's called Amazon, right? Like Amazon. <laughs> was the first one to do this where they had products and they had reviews right under them. I, 
that this is the future. Like, yeah. Not only do we know transparency sells better, but we now have to do it. Like we have to embrace this right now. And our kids are our future buyers. Like get your arms around it. And so it's, and you know, one of the things that I highlight because a lot of what I, the work that I do is more in them, I guess you could say has more of a marketing tilt. One of the things that I highlight more than anything is, and you can quote a hundred, whatever studies you want to quote, because frankly, most of them at this point, because of how quickly our society is moving are outdated. But I mean, studies from four or five years ago were saying that buyers are 60% of the way into the buyer's process before they ever interact with a salesperson. And so one of the things you highlight in the book that I love is you talk about, we are no longer dealing with uninformed buyers, whether you're talking about they're buying a $5 pair of sunglasses from Wayfair, or you're talking about they're buying a $5 million software package from your company. It doesn't matter. We're no longer dealing with uninformed buyers that are dependent on our salespeople to get information. And so talk about how that trans, how the transparency sale kind of flips that Bauman, You've got some examples in here. I'm not going to call out the specific ones. You can, if you want, um, of the examples that you use of ways you've used this. Well, yeah. I mean, like the study that I love, um, is the one that was done by the corporate executive board uh, about three or four years ago, but it's, which is now Gartner that just looked at, all right, consensus selling is hard. Sure. But like, I, I believe consensus buying is harder. And then consensus buying in a pandemic where all your buyers are remote and they can't just grab somebody in the hallway or run into them and they're getting coffee in the kitchen makes yeah. consensus buying even harder. What uh, I, this is going to get nerdy for a second. So buckle up. Let's do it. Um, Let's do it. <laughs> our, our brain actually biases our perception of a reward by the journey to get there. Meaning mm -hmm. that if we show up, like we're like, I want ice cream. You show up at the ice cream shop and there's freaking kids screaming. There's a line out in the street. You might look at that and go, you know what? I'm going to go somewhere else or I'm going to, I'm going to move on. I don't need ice cream that bad. Yeah. So you've got a, a buyer, me, who has something that they want, ice cream. I've got the means. I'm there. And I chose the status quo because the journey to get there is difficult. And it can, like, again, consensus buying is much more difficult than, uh, today than it was two years ago. So yeah. th that's a bit of the long line syndrome. We as sellers make the line appear longer. You know, if we think about it from an analogy perspective, <laughs> when we hide the truth, right. And we present our solutions as being perfect. We're driving buyers subconsciously to do their own homework. That study, that CEB Gartner study said that only 39% of a consensus buyer's time is spent talking to you, talking to your competitors, or talking to their internal buying groups. 61% of their time is outside of that, essentially back-channeling you, checking analysts, calling peers, looking at reviews. You know, if you're in the tech space, there's the G2s and the trust radius. There's, you know, Google reviews, there's Yelp. There's even, your buyers are checking Glassdoor. Now, Glassdoor, yeah. like, well, that's where current and former employees go to share what it's like to work there. Well, in many cases, you're not just buying the products, you're buying the people. And yes. I, I'm not going to invest my time in a solution where the people hate what they do, right? So that's the sort of thing that when we present our solutions as perfect, we drive the buyers to do more homework, more work biases their perception of the reward, i.e. Yeah. skipping ice cream. And it's 
when it's 61% of the buying journey, that's where all your time is. Do the homework for the buyer. Help them predict. When you're transparent, that 61%, not a foregone conclusion, that yeah. shrinks. So your sales cycles speed up. Your win rates go up because they're not getting there and going, wow, this person's making it really hard on us. I, I'm gonna, I don't need ice cream right now. And so your yeah. win rates go up too because the buyers show up and they're ready to buy. And they're more yes. likely to buy because that journey is not filled with friction caused by you. So that's a kind of a nerdy way of explaining that the fact that we're doing the homework for the buyers that they can get at on their own. And when we yeah. do, we make the path smoother, which keeps the reward just as sweet as that ice cream would be if I waited in line and converts a lot more often. Yeah. And you know, when I, the, one of the things that's in the book and I'm just going to somebody take a look at this later on, it's on page 25 is, and what you're talking about is this graph that you've put in the book of how much extra homework a buyer is going to have to do versus how much they trust you or your company. Yeah. Um, and it's, I guess, you know, from a, from a statistical analysis and inverse proportion, mm -hmm. you know, the more homework they've got to do, they let the less that they trust you. And I think what has, uh, and I'm going to kind of walk through this mentally because it's something I was walking through myself when I was walking through the book. And I don't even know that I've got a good way to, to <laughs> pronounce, pronounce this the way that I want to, but it's, I think often in the sales profession, what we think is the more investigative a buyer is, the less they trust us. And so we put the calls on the fact, well, this person's just not a trusting person there. You know, it's, we like to put our problems onto other people. I mean, that's just natural human nature. Mm -hmm. When in reality, the challenge is that our process is leaving people asking questions that we aren't answering or providing trusted sources to answer for them. And therefore they don't trust us. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's, that's really one of the things that hit home to me was cause I, it just, it was like this, an awakening, this light bulb of, that's, you know, that's, that's where the challenge is. We have to provide a clear path for people to do business with us. And it's our job as sellers. It can no longer be this persuasion model that we've dealt with for, you know, over a century. It's, we now have to move into this partnership. And one of the things that you, you even talk about, you, well, you talk about the partnership. I'm not going to sit here and try to flip to every page in the book because I could, <laughs> but you talk about the partnership model of where we're partnering with buyers and, and walking them through um, a process. Now, one of the, you give a specific example when you were, you had just, just so happened to be in New York city. Oh yeah. For a buyer. So share that example if you don't mind. Cause I loved this. That's the one that I was just like, all right, I got to write a book like this. This is crazy, <laughs> but it was literally the first time I ever tried it. So I'm in New York. I've got a couple of days there. I fly there, have meetings. My afternoon cancels. Like, ah, all right, I got afternoon open. At the same time, my VP of sales back here in Chicago, where I live, uh, texts me and he's like, Todd, we just got an incredible inbound lead for a apparel manufacturer up in New York. It was Calvin Klein. And Calvin Klein for us, great lead, like right in our wheelhouse. Yeah. And so I'm bored, you know, hand, like just wasting time in New York. So I call him like, hey, tell me about what's going on. And he says, well, you know, the inbound lead came in, the rep reached out. Uh, they are going to start an evaluation that's going to start with an RFP. So a request for proposal. We're going to fill it out. And then they're going to have us come up to New York and do the full presentation. And I was like, New York? I, I totally forgot they're in New York. 
<laughs> hey, could you, I know this is a one in 50 shot, but could you have the rep reach back out and just say, listen, um, our CRO is in New York right now, has a couple of hours open because of a canceled meeting. If you want to, uh, if you're up for coffee, he would just love to come meet you. And so, but I was like, don't, don't put any pressure on the rep. It's, I know it's a one in a hundred shot, but it never hurts to ask. Yeah. So the rep reaches out, this head of e-commerce for Calvin Klein says, yes. Like, oh, cool. So I head over, I meet him at the elevators. We go to his office and again, coffee, right? Apparently <laughs> not to this guy. He hands me the HDMI cable and he's like, hey, you can plug in your laptop for your presentation here. And I'm like, <laughs> presentation? Like I thought we were having coffee. Like what's, um, I look to my right and people are wheeling chairs into his office, seven of them. So there's nine of us elbow to elbow in his hot Manhattan office and an expectation that I'm going to give a presentation about two hours after this lead came in, which is crazy. <laughs> and so this guy, you know, New York in the best way possible, meaning there was no small talk, just yeah. comes right after me and says, Todd, listen, we're talking to your competitor. We're talking to you. How are you better? And like, I could feel eyes on me like, all right, here comes the sales pitch. And so I thought to my, again, fresh on all this research, fresh on the theory that leading with negatives or leading with transparency would sell better. I thought there's no better time than me but right now to try this. So I did. <laughs> and I decided to flip the table and just say, hey, listen, before we get there, can I actually share how our competitors better than us? And I know that sounds crazy, but they just released an add-on to their core technology that not only do we not have, but it's not even a thought, like it's not on our roadmap. I, it, and if that's gonna be an important consideration to your process, I'd love to save you a bunch of time, saves us a lot of time filling out RFPs sucks, right? And like flying all over the place, <laughs> if that's gonna be it. And they all looked at me and they're like, what is it? And so I literally pitched the competitor's add-on tool as though it was ours. Um, just like, here's what it does. They're first customers in your space. I went through all of that. They discussed it. We're joking around. We feel like we're at the same table instead of it being vendor customer. Yeah. And they said, they ended up coming around to, Todd, that's not on our roadmap. Like, it's not even something we thought about. We probably wouldn't go to a reviews provider for that anyway. And I was like, all right, cool. Like, you sure? I don't want you coming back in four months and telling me. And like, <laughs> they're laughing. Now we're definitely, all right, cool. Here's what we're great at. Like we give yeah. that up to be great at our core. I talked through that. As soon as I get done with that, this guy kicks everybody out of his office He in a nice way. He's just like, hey, you all heard uh, enough? And they're like, yeah, we've heard enough. We're cool. They get up and leave. This guy does something that nobody, you know, I've been doing this a long time. I'd never, ever had anybody do this. And it was the first time I tried this. He pulled his budget off of a, he had a folder on his credenza, opens it up. It's his budget. And he's like, can you hit that number? Like, I never had anybody show me their actual budget. It was like transparency begets transparency. Yeah. We had a discussion around that. 10 days later, he calls me directly to tell me, A, they're not doing the RFP. They're not flying anybody up, that they've made a decision to go with us. Wow. Like, wow. That's amazing. So a six-month sales cycle typically just shrunk to you know under a month and a half. But then number two is he wanted to tell me that he had told the competitor first that they've decided to go with us. And the competitor immediately went into a pitch of the new add-on and he stopped them. And he was like, we've heard about it. The, you know, the PowerView CRO actually told us all about it. 
we're not interested. It, the bottom line here being, number one, totally disarming and trust building by leading with that. Yeah. But, but you know, number two being we made it really, really hard on our competitors to compete against us because would you rather that messaging and positioning around how they're better come from them or come from you? This way, I, you not only build trust, you help them predict, you save a bunch of time, but you control the message. Yeah. And for us, that became really, really powerful too. It's our, our job is to Sherpa the buyer through the journey, to not to jam them into our solution, help yes. them make the best decision. And then either way, if it's for you or against you, help them make that best decision fast, right? If you're gonna lose, yeah. lose fast. Yes, it's so true. And I normally put this up earlier in the show, but if you want to go ahead and pick up your copy of the transparency sale, go to gettransparent.com. Uh, that's a URL we've got that we just put up that will forward you to the Amazon link. So it just goes directly to Amazon. Um, you can go to gettransparent.com. I'll have that in the show notes. I'll have it in the comments and it'll be um, on the episode page. For those of you who are tuning in later via podcast, don't write it down or try to go to it on your phone for safety's sake. But pick up your copy of gettransparent.com because Todd just shared one of the stories that to me just step-by-step step lays out why this transparency process works and why it matters. And one of the things to me that it, that the mindset behind the transparency process and Todd, keep me honest here, but the mindset is you have to value your customers time, their energy and their effort in a way, in, in a genuinely, for lack of a better term, authentic way <laughs> that you're not just there to close the sale, that you, your honest attitude is I am here to be a trusted resource for you. And if that means telling you, and it's so cliche that I even hate to say it, but I, I haven't figured out another way to say it yet. If that means telling you that I'm not your solution, then I'm going to tell you I'm not your solution. Because when you get that attitude in you, and that's what you're communicating, that's when you run into situations just like what you were talking about, Todd. Well, yeah. Can I just make a, a like an emphatic Please. support of what you just said in one really specific way? A lot of times when I talk about the transparency sale, I get people that are just like, yeah, Todd, you know what? I, I just, I really love being honest too. And I think it's the right thing to do. Yeah, absolutely. But the thing to keep in mind, it sells better. Like yes. the, the, the bottom line here is like, yeah, it feels better. It, you're at the same seat. Like, it, you know, you're, you're doing right by the customer. But here's the thing. When we don't do this, we lose slowly. And when we lose slowly, yes. every minute that we're spending on opportunities that we should have known three months ago that we're going to lose or a month ago or even three days ago, every minute we're spending on those opportunities is a minute that we've wasted in our path to potentially find customers that should be a better fit for us. Leaders, any leaders that are listening to this that still subscribe to this idea that, hey, reps, at every time, at every moment, you need to have 4X your quota in pipeline right? Like I used to do that. I used to look at my reps and go, gosh, why don't you, you don't have enough of pipeline load. You know what that does? It gets reps to load their pipelines with crap, yes. right? Like we need to get better at losing fast to look at that yes. pipeline and go, why are we only closing a ratio of one to four? Could we get yes. better at qualifying up front through transparency so that we get it down to one out of two or yes. even one out of three would be better. Measure the right things, lose fast and uh, you know, it's going to feel really good to be honest and have a seat at the table with your customer instead of you being the vendor. 
But yes. in the back end, the results are maximized as a result of them. Like I said, you now got to do it anyway. So might as well embrace it. It's so true. And it's like I said, you know, we were talking about it, the, um, the buyer portion of this, um, you know, being on the other end of the table, you are appealing to their psychology. And one of the things that it's funny, I, several months ago, I had um, my brother who happens to be in, in luxury real estate marketing. I had him on the show and I told him I'm completely stealing his phrase because the last question I asked him is what he saw the future of marketing being. And he, he said something that I've still, for some reason, I still give him credit for it, even though he's my brother and I really probably shouldn't anymore. <laughs> but he says that he believed that we're, that we're entering the age of the empath where everything that we're doing, whether it's sales and marketing is going to be about our willingness to truly show empathy in the journey, mm -hmm. both through our marketing as well as through our sales. Um, and that's the thing that I get so much about this transparency. Now, one of the things I want to highlight, cause you, you emphatically talked about the fact that it sells better, but when you were mentioning what people talk about is yes, Todd, I want to be honest. Yes, Todd, I, I love being authentic. Yes. One of the things that you mentioned, um, in one of our pre-show conversations, when I asked you about your leadership philosophy, because obviously this, this change, this mindset, in my opinion, it has to start from the top. It cannot I won't say it can't. If you're an individual salesperson, you can you can affect this in your process with support. Um, but one of the things that you talked about when I asked you about your philosophy on leadership was that you talked about that you want to optimize intrinsic inspiration through transparency. And then you put a caveat on that. And I love this. And I want you to talk about this, which is much different than authenticity. So tell me what you mean by that. All right. Well, there's so much there, brother. So first of all, I, I'm going to make a couple of comments to set this up. Um, for everybody that hears the word empathy, I want you to look up the definition of the word empathy. And then I want you to look up the definition of the word sympathy and make sure that you are not confusing the two, because most people, when I hear them talk about empathy, they're actually meaning sympathy. So I'd, I'd like to start right there. That's a, a first really important one. Um, this uh, intrinsic inspiration piece, like this is uh, like you could pull the string on me and, and go a long way here. Um, a couple of things. Oh, gosh, I, where do I even begin on this one? Um, <laughs> so the, 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 I'll, let me finish with the last point you made. And this is controversial. I know that people, you keep hearing leaders uh, and like leadership podcasts that talk about that the future leader needs to be authentic. Like authentic leadership is everything, right? Yeah. You know, um, I, I would encourage you to also look up the definition of authentic um, because what actually I believe is that it is better to be a transparent leader than it is to be an authentic leader. And here's why. Authenticity is about bringing your true self, right? And representing uh, yourself in the way that you lead in your ideals, your beliefs, that could be religious, that could be political, that could be moral, and making your leadership style a representation of your true self. Yeah. Which if you've got 10 leaders that are each authentic, you got 10 different philosophies going on. So yeah. before we get too crazy there, like let's take it easy and ease off the authentic leadership and start looking at transparent leadership. Yeah. And so I'll, I'll finish. So I've kind of, you've brought up three points. I've started, I've ended. I'm going to start to go to the middle. I, I believe that leadership 
and leaders today, especially in a remote environment where the emotional and physical cost to changing jobs is nothing, right? Yeah. Physically, you don't even have to change your commute. Like, hey, <laughs> all you do is get a new laptop. Like that's <laughs> physical cost. And the emotional cost is, hey, I've never met anybody that I work with. Like, I I don't see any of my coworkers here. It's just me. Exactly. Right? Like, there's no emotional cost to changing either. That leaders today need to, A, go beyond the forecast in your one-on-ones, yes. right? And we need to get beyond the forecast in our one-on-ones and build those relationships where our reps can predict and feel like you have their back. And number two, which I think is even more important, is that leaders need to make sure that reps know their mission, their purpose, their impact. It's not just a rep with a quota and a number and your impact on me as a leader is, hey, you hit your number, so I look good, right? Like that's it, that creates no emotional cost to anything. I think there's an opportunity to make relationships between employees and employers a lot stickier when there's a mission and a purpose and an impact. What does their work mean to you as a leader beyond the number? What does their work mean to your company, your customers, and your customers' customers? And get that. If you've got customers that just bought, ask them why. What impact are they having? Customers that have been around for a while. Why do you stay with us? What's un like what's unexpected benefit that you get from working with us? And and dig into it. Get deeper than it helps our revenue. Like what <laughs> like what like what does it mean? Because I believe that. Uh, Zoom happy hours for teams that can be replicated anywhere. Sending yeah. a swag package to your employees can be replicated everywhere. Yep. What can't be is the specific impact, mission, and purpose of your work. And I think if leaders embrace that right now, and again, get beyond the forecast in your one on ones, yes. otherwise, the trigger for a rep leaving is almost nothing. Higher quota, oh, territory's getting squeezed. Oh, I got a buddy that's making a ton of money at a company that's hiring. It's going to take nothing. And you, in six months from now, are going to look at your team and the ones that you thought are stuck, like they love it here, they're not going anywhere, are going to be the ones that disappear. And you're going to be like, huh, how did that happen? Yes. We've got to get our arms around this right now or else we're going to have a massive turnover binge that happens once things start to open up. Well, and I think, frankly, we're already seeing yeah. The churn and turnover binge. And, and you know, it's, uh, I am not directly, you know, leading a sales organization, um, but I have a lot of um, very close friends and contacts and connections that are. Um, and I think we're already seeing it. And, I, and I, we're, we're getting to the point, frankly, I think I could go for about another hour, but we, we both have schedules. So I want to make sure I'm respectful of that. But we're getting to this point because of the environment that has been created because of the pandemic that. Churn is no longer, I mean, I, one of the industries that I can compare this to, and, and we have listeners who are in this industry, is the transportation industry with drivers, with truck drivers mm -hmm. of, you know, a churn rates of over 100% wow. annually. Um, and we're, we're in this environment where leadership is the difference maker, but I, at risk of sounding almost apocalyptic, I feel that we're at this place where there's an enormous void of the type of leadership to help 
people see the value, like you're talking about, of understanding their mission and their purpose and their impact. Yes. And it's nothing more than uh, whether I have this laptop or that laptop, I'm in the same chair in the same office every day because the office is the spare bedroom of my house. And it's, it's that same attitude. So as we're kind of as, as we're going through closing thoughts, you know, the transparency sale, like I said, this, this is the future. Okay. That's the reality of this book. This is the future of the sales process. Um, so if you've not already gotten this book, go to gettransparent.com. You need this book if you are, whether you're an whether you're an individual contributor or you're a leader in any type of revenue producing role, you need this book because it's going to be critical. To me, it's the transparency process because, you know, that's because I've got that marketing background. But um, so the transparency sale, gettransparent.com. But before we close out, what the last, really the last thing that I want to cover is how do we change this leadership model that we have in the business development cost center, if you will, of any business so that we can begin to engage in this remote environment and actually build long-term teams that are going to build the companies that we, the way we want them to build. Yeah. And uh, just a caveat, the stuff that we're talking about right now is going to be in the next book. I'm, I'm just starting the process and it will all, according to my publisher, it'll also have the transparent cover. So sweet. Uh, like we, uh, we, that was the first thing he said is like, do you want to do that again? Of course. Yeah. Absolutely. That's cool. Um, so I, I think today, you know, number one, sales leaders, we need to embrace this idea of, well, first of all, we should celebrate the losses in our organizations, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I worked for a leader once that like when I got there to take over the team, he had this philosophy that if we lost a deal, the rep must have gotten outsold. And if they moved something in our CRM system to close loss, there was a trigger notification that would go to him and he would come out. What happened? Like, oh, there you, right? And then the next thing you know, I, you know, I'm, I get there and I'm looking at deals that are in the forecast that suddenly their close date just moved out six months. Like, hmm, what happened there? Or suddenly it just went from a qualified state to an unqualified suspect state. I'm like, what happened there? And you know, when you really dig in and you have the conversations with the reps, the reps are making excuses. Oh, the deal's not lost. It's just the, the deal's lost, right? And yeah. then you have to create a culture where we embrace losses. Yes. The reps are already getting punched in the pocket by a deal that's lost. So what we started doing is celebrating the losses. Like, hey, who's got a loss that they're particularly proud of? Like, what? That's crazy. Well, let's be proud of it for the lessons that we can learn and the effort that was put into it so that everybody else, uh, first of all, it makes our forecasting a lot more accurate, allows us to understand why we lose so we can all recognize that faster. And when we start hearing themes for how we lose, that, hey, we heard that answer last week and the week before. Everybody else in our next op conversations with our customers, let's embrace that as a piece of transparency. Like, hey, we're seeing some customers that are in this kind of, is that something that's applicable to you? Because if it is, maybe we're not the right partner for you. Yeah. And, and like, so that's number one. Celebrate the losses, learn from them, create an environment where people are sharing why they lose. And then you can curate that into your messaging that allows you to not only build trust, but win faster and lose faster and work the opportunities that you should be winning more consistently. Like, I, I think that's a huge one. And then, you know, the, the number two, number three, all the way to a number 100 is you know, I, we've entered this era where 
transparency sells better than perfection. And due to that proliferation of reviews and feedback on everything you sell, everybody listening, yep. easy for me to find out. Like before I do a workshop or speak at an event, I go do the homework like a buyer and I, I find stuff every time, right? <laughs> curate that, be ready to embrace that. And I, I'll leave you with this, this last bit of wisdom. And it comes from a supermodel. Like, why wouldn't we end with a quote from Tyra Banks, of all people? Uh, I'm great. <laughs> there you go. So Tyra Banks, she coined the term flossom. Flossom is to embrace your flaws and know that you're still awesome. And that for leaders, for reps, for everybody else is to figure out how you are flossom. Uh, because that's what builds trust. I'm not telling anybody to go into your next sales engagement and be like, hey, everybody, this is why we suck. Well, <laughs> Wrapping this back to the beginning, the four two to four five is the average across product categories of optimal for purchase conversion. Think about that with your messaging. We don't yeah. suck, but we're not perfect. Here's what you're giving up for us to be great at our core. And if you're cool with that, we're going to have a great relationship. And if you're not, let's part as friends now. Yeah, totally. That's God. That's just money. I. See, the problem with this is, is when I let you go into this leadership side of it, I get all jacked up and I'm like, I, I'm hyped. So now I want to like extend this for another hour, but we're not doing that. <laughs> well, we, we can do will, another one now. I'm, yeah, uh, we're I'm definitely going to definitely gonna have to have you on again, both for the transparency sale and then the transparent leader. That's I'm, I'm jacked about that book. Um, so as we're closing out here, obviously, like I said, get transparent.com. That'll get you to the Amazon site for Todd's book, the transparency sale. Make sure to go pick that up. Um, how else can people begin to interact with you? Um, I, we've got, I've got your website here, so I'll go ahead and put that up scrolling across the bottom so people can see that, but how, how can people engage with you and what are the best ways for them to do that? That's a perfect place. I have lots of free stuff there. Um, i I'm a nerd, right? And again, I joked about the fact that when I wrote the book, I thought there was a 50-50 shot that it would suck. But I wanted to get those ideas out there. And as a result, yeah. I share blog posts from like, I don't, I've got books back here, but I actually read behavioral science. Like I know my <laughs> my wife somehow still loves me. Um, <laughs> and like, I write about this stuff all the time. So, you know, follow along on the blog. Uh, on the homepage there, I've got a bunch of articles that are really popular. Just Interact, have some fun with it. I also post videos on YouTube that can be linked. They're linked right through transparencysale.com. You can also follow me on LinkedIn. I share a bunch of stuff there. And uh, yeah, I just, I want to make an impact and I, I would love to be a resource for any of you. Absolutely. And and thank you again so much for coming on the show. I can't, I think that anybody who's tuning into this, if you got value out of this, I'm just going to say it again. I said it at the beginning, go ahead and make sure you like this across the various platforms, share it. Even if you don't want to share it on your feed, which I don't know why in God's name you wouldn't, but <laughs> if you don't want to share it on your feed, share it with somebody because this, in my opinion, this is the future of sales and it's the faster we can increase our response time in coming in line with this mindset, the faster we're all going to be successful. And, you know, the, I'll, I'll, I'll close before I go to the show close. I'll just say, you know, it's the, the late great Zig Ziglar, as he would say, you can have everything in life you've ever wanted if you just help enough other people get what they want. And that's what this transparency sale process will do. So make sure that you share this show, transparencysale.com. You can check out Todd and all of the amazing content and value he's giving. 
and then gettransparent.com will take you directly to Amazon so you can order his book. But thank you again for coming on, Todd. I can't say thank you enough. This was a blast. I really enjoyed being on. Thank you. Absolutely. So I will, uh, if you'll hang out for just a second, I'll go ahead and close this out. Guys, I'm telling you, we work very hard here to make sure that we're bringing the cutting edge of the leadership sales and marketing arena so that you can move your business forward. And you just heard it from Todd with the transparency sale. I'm t it's it, uh, The reason I'm so excited about it is because it's taken thoughts that were very amorphous in my mind and just put them into a very clear process. And he gets tactical in the book. So this is like you, like, you know, I don't have people on here who have foo-foo books that don't give you tactics. That's what we're going for is people who can give you tactics to actually make a difference in your business. So with that, we will be live again on Thursday. That's this coming Thursday. That is April 22nd, believe it or not, already almost at the end of April. Um, and we will be live with none other than Dave Gordon. He wrote the book Tip. He is a an award-winning speaker and author. Um, and we're gonna we'll get into a lot of detail about what we're gonna get into with Dave, but he will be live with us on Thursday at 3:30 p.m. Eastern. Make sure to catch us then across all of the social channels, and you can pick us up on the various podcast podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, and Google. With that, I just look forward to talking to you next time. I thank you all for tuning in. Without you, our listeners, we would not have a reason to be here and would not be able to fulfill our mission of giving you what you need to move your business forward. So with that, I look forward to talking to you next time. And until then, I'm just here to keep reminding you, either give value or don't even buy.